Mark Pesci, technology correspondent and futurist and cyberneticist, I'm reading here. Have I pronounced that correctly? Cyberneticist. Cyberneticist. There's another syllable. Yes. Yes. Cyberneticist. Uh, now, you've been to what I'm sure, because it's in Vegas, was a great time had by yeah. all. It's called the Consumer ah. Electronics Show, and it's huge, yes. Mark. It is. It's about a quarter million people descend on Las Vegas. So it's pretty much the biggest show that Vegas sees every year. And of course, you'd expect it's where all of the new TVs get rolled out and stereos and things that play music and car stereos. But over the last decade, it's also become the most important show for car companies, particularly cars that car companies that are making connected cars or electric vehicles. And it's also where you see a lot of very exciting, interesting and profound and sometimes terrifying gadgets from thousands of startups that come to, to basically show their wares to the assembled media. So take us on a tour of the highlights. So we we have some high points and we have some low points. There was a lot of work going on on autonomous things that aren't cars. We think of self-driving cars, and of course, they're proving very hard. But something that I saw from a company called HK Mando, so this is a South Korean company, is an autonomous parking drone. So basically, if you drive your car, say, into a parking structure, you can drive it onto the parking drone, and then it will park the car for you, just like a, a chauffeur in a garage would. And it will park the car, then slide out from under the car and go and grab the next car. And it turns out that if you do this, you'll park the cars quite safely because humans aren't involved. And you can fit sort of 25 or 30% more cars in a parking structure because you don't need to open the doors. The parker is coming in from underneath, lifting the car, and bring it out or in. So that was quite nice. And it seemed like it was a very good use for autonomy because again, in a parking structure, there's not a lot you need to worry about. So that that was a fun use of autonomy. And then there is the scariest thing I saw at CS this year called Glückskind. That's G-L-U-M-L-A-U-X-K-I-N-D. It's German for, for lucky child. What it is, is something that no one asked for ever, Catherine. It's an autonomous pram. Autonomous pram? <laughs> it's what? an what? autonomous what? pram. <laughs> I mean, some of them behave that way, don't they, prams, unfortunately? <laughs> they do. And, and I mean, you, you take a look at the demo, and it seems quite reasonable. For instance, if you lose control of it when it's going down a hill, it won't run away. That right. makes a lot of sense, That's right? That's good to know. You can take baby out and it will walk alongside you. Okay. So that's kind of nice if you're taking baby out, right? But again, because it is autonomous, it does in some sense have a mind of its own. Now, it's not supposed to act autonomously when baby is inside pram. And that's good. But you are also trusting all of the autonomous systems and the sensors. And again, even when it's following along with you down a crowded city street. You're relying on that pram being aware enough of the situation that it is placed in to be able to navigate everything on the footpath. And this, again, is where autonomous vehicles have fallen over. It's not hard to get a car to drive itself, but to get a car to drive itself with crazy peoples and dogs and babies and God knows what else, that's really hard. And so I looked at this and went, mm, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um. Stephen King needs to get his hands on this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's Christine as a pram. It really, truly is. The other now, thing I'm thinking the, of, do you know what would happen? Yeah. You know those people who run and push a pram at the same time? I love them. I think yes. they're amazing. 
But you know yes. there's going to be at least one of them, if not quite a few, who are going to say, I'll just put the autonomous pram <laughs> into gear and then I don't have to push anymore. Although it's not supposed to do that yeah. if the baby's in it. Right. It's not supposed to do that. And again, there are there are questions around the software and how well the software has been tested. This device would not have been subject to the same very stringent testing that we're doing with autonomous vehicles right now to make sure that they don't hurt people. So again, I just, I have a lot of questions and I feel as though we need to be a little bit further down this path before we start saying baby is going to be safe in an autonomous pram. So is Glückskind the, the, the freakiest thing you saw? That is, that is the scariest thing I saw. The most beautiful in terms of just transformative thing I saw was something that was called gyro gear. So start off, doctor created this University College London. He was working with and has been working with people who have Parkinson's. Parkinson's causes very severe motor tremors and people who are Parkinson's are full, uh, you know, they're fully capable in their minds, but they can't even pick up a cup of water because they have such bad motor tremors in their arms. And so these people are reduced to relying on other people to do basic tasks because they don't have fine motor control. All right. So he took a look at this problem and said, can we solve this? And of course, what he did was he built something that looks kind of like a long glove that fits over your hand. And it's got a bunch of sensors that can sense the nerve tremor. But the clever thing that he did was he built, it looks like a very thick watch disc. Like if a watch disc were about a centimeter and a half or two centimeters tall, mounted on the top of the hand. And it has a countervailing flywheel in it. And so as the hand is tremoring and the sensors are measuring that tremor, the flywheel is canceling the tremor. So you can think of it as noise cancellation, but for your nervous system. And so someone with a bad tremor puts this on and all of a sudden they can thread a needle. Now it doesn't completely eliminate the tremor, but it gives them their hands back. And this thing, it basically won all of the CES awards this year because it's amazing. It's consumer electronics and it's exactly in that sweet spot where you're using the incredible computers and electronics that we have today to radically improve the quality of life for someone. That, that is amazing. However, we should point yeah. out it's not some new kind of um, magical concept. This has been something yeah. like 40 years in the making. I, I mean, I think in various versions of it, this particular version he's been working on since about 2016. So it's been eight years. And I think most of that has been in developing a flywheel that is small enough and compact enough and responsive enough to to jamp in the nervous system's gyrations. And again, it's doing this all mechanically. There's there's nothing invasive here. You're not putting any electrodes under the skin. You, there's no surgery. You just put the glove on and you get this immediate increase in capability. So the, the, the key to this is the magnetic field presence, yeah? Yeah, the, the, the key, well, there's two keys. One is that the sensors are able to measure the tremor. And again, we have those sensors and they're cheap because billions of smartphones have gyroscopic sensors in them now, right? So wow. that's one of the other gifts of the smartphone. But then there's this flywheel. Now we've had flywheels for thousands of years, but getting one that's small and that is controllable looks like that was the hard thing that took him years to correctly engineer. Wonderful stuff. Uh now, oh, there's the Jitsi glider as well. What's that? Ah, That's pretty yes. cool. So 
you know, we're, we've all seen what we would call the quadcopter drones, the little noisy things. They have four helicopters, one basically at each quadrant, and they can fly up and they can fly around. And we're even starting to see slightly larger ones that are being used for deliveries. And generally on a single battery charge with these things, you can go maybe a couple kilometers to deliver a package that might weigh sort of 500 grams. So the JetC drone is taking that basic idea, but then applying aerodynamic principles to it because the JetC drone is a drone, but it's constructed as a glider. So it doesn't need to be worrying its helicopter all the time. All it needs to be doing is finding the right thermals and then using that. And so on a single charge, the JetC glider, which again, it's about almost, I think, two meters wide. So it really does look more like an aircraft than like a drone, can carry up to three kilograms, up to 100 kilometers. A bit All like right. the autonomous pram. Is there the potential for the <laughs> gliding? I mean, is it the potential for my package to end up six doors down the road? Like, how precise could it be? So it is meant to be very precise because, in fact, it has a landing platform that it docks onto at the far side. And it is designed to be able to use, because it does have a set of very fine um propellers on it that can help it to dock very nicely when it finds the docking station on the other side. So this is really meant, and this is a Swiss company, they're already using it in Switzerland commercially to move medical samples from the pathology office to the testing lab. And they're doing this quite easily now. Now, Switzerland's going to be quite interesting because there are a lot of mountains. There's going to be a lot of updrafts. It would be interesting to see what it would be like. Oh, it would probably work very well in Wellington for exactly that reason. But perhaps somewhere in central Australia where there's less wind, I'm wondering if you would get as far. So some of that may be very well that gliders work well in certain environments and not in others. But if you can get a drone that's going to go 100 kilometers on a charge, that radically changes the idea of how you might use a delivery drone. Let's talk AI. Uh, and again, it's one of those phrases where you just go, oh, here we go again. Um, yeah. And what I'd love to do this year is actually get more and more specific as to its application mm-hmm. in any number of situations. Just just generally. Move on from chat GPT being the sort of go to or or the old the other feedback you always get is, Oh, it's been happening for years. But I'd like to get specific where it's getting to now. One of the things that surprised you about the consumer electronics show is that it actually wasn't necessarily that big a deal. No, and I think part of it's because so much happened so quickly last year, and you know we were talking about it last year, that a lot of the companies didn't really have time to get in front of it. The one company that did, and I, I think was very surprising to almost everyone, was Walmart. Now, Walmart, which we don't have in this part of the world, it's the largest retailer in America, and it is by some distance the largest retailer in the world. It dwarfs Amazon. And what they've done is they've partnered with Microsoft, who owns a big chunk of OpenAI, has their own version of ChatGPT running, and they've integrated it into their shopping app so that rather than using the search box in the shopping app for, say, look, at I'm, I'm looking for party plates or I'm looking for silverware or whatever, what you can do now is you can actually have a conversation with you. You can say, I'm planning an anniversary party for my parents' golden wedding anniversary. What should I be thinking about? And now, rather than just having a, I'm searching for this, this is what we're calling post-search, which is a term we've been throwing around, but we haven't seen a lot of, where instead of just typing things into a search box, you're actually having a conversation, which is helping you to explore what you might be doing in this context. And for for 
Walmart to come out of the gate, and they already have this. You download the Walmart app, it is now already integrated because when they announced it in a big deal with Microsoft, it was all ready to go. They've been working on this for months. What we're starting to see now is the thing that Google is terrified of because Google gets a lot of their money off of people searching for products. Amazon gets a lot of money off of people searching for products. What Walmart is saying is there's a better way to do this. Very good. Um, but apart from that, there was a lot of, um, what do we call it? Tech th- We're going from tech 3.0 to 4.0, aren't we? Or is that industry ah. 3.0 to 4.0? A, a, a lot of the more conventional tech drove a lot of what you saw at this event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in that sense, there hasn't been a great big move forward. When people were slapping AI on things, they meant the kind of analytic AI that we've had for years where you can observe something, you can build a model, and you can make predictions based on that model. Samsung had a lot of that going on in their own booth with the smart home that is now aware enough of everything because there are so many devices watching you and your pets all the time that it can make predictions about the time of day or the things that you want to do. And Compared to where we are today, that now is starting to look almost a little bit old fashioned because that's what AI used to be. It isn't what AI has become. Back to chat GPT. I can tell you it's still having some horrors on the web. I was doing some (laughs) um, research yesterday on a real life character. And apart from the way this particular bio was written, which was either a three-year-old or AI, um, it used the actor who played this person in a film, that image instead of the actual person's image. Mm. Um, I'm still picking it up right, left and centre when we get back to to the GPT um, version. Um, it'll get smarter and smarter, of course. And to your point, we're going to move on, aren't we, from that being the, the go-to understanding of what it is and what it does. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, the, the the most crash and burn demo of all of CES was Volkswagen, which had an interface to its, it has a voice interface called Ida that it uses if you're going to talk to your Volkswagen. And they connected it to ChatGPT. It didn't really go well because they didn't have time to tune it. And at the end of the demo, and this demo was done publicly in front of the global press, they said, oh, Ida, what's the best car company in the world? And ChatGPT had a list for them. And Volkswagen wasn't on it, Catherine. <laughs> hey, it can tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always suspicious of these of these personal assistants that have names like you know Alexa and what's her name Siri. I'm always making yep. sure Siri's turned off, and Ida, um, and Christine. Oh no, that's back to Stephen King. Um, <laughs> what's the the significance of trade shows on the scale? They do actually feed into orders. And on the significant scale? Absolutely. It's in January because you need to order in January to get things on the shelves for September for Christmas. And so that it really has to do with the entire sort of production cycle and the supply chains that are involved here. So that's part of the reason it happens. But they tried to do it online during the pandemic and no one cared. There is something about actually everyone coming together and seeing and getting the demos and talking about it. And I remember one of the other things that the show, by the way, Kohler, which is a big plumbing company out of America, made a toilet that you could talk to. I am not making this up. I went to the booth and the guy who is demoing it in the booth is like, oh, well, the toilet, it'll open automatically when you approach it and it'll figure out how long you've been sitting on it to adjust the flush shovel. I was like, and this is the one you can talk to. And he seemed almost embarrassed. It's like, well, 
yeah, you can connect it to Alexa. And he was kind of almost saying, uh, do you really want to talk to your toilet? <laughs> Somebody will, Mac. Somebody <laughs> out there will. Thank you, Mark Pesci, tech correspondent 